Hello everyone and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Universal U. And yes, it is very exciting. I am joined today by Jarel Seeker of Dupes Closet. This man is a way shower and an incredible artist. He provides a space for star seeds to share their journeys and to make other star seeds who are awakening feel so much less alone. And I think that is incredible. I'm genuinely excited to, to introduce this incredible soul to you. Uh, he's decided to share his journey on this channel, which I, I'm fully aware of how huge this is. So I'm just going to let Gerald take it away, man. How you doing, man? Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, thank you guys for your time. Uh, my story may be a little long, but I promise that uh, it'll be entertaining because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah, I, so currently some of my projects, I just go off like into that real fast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm running an Instagram for uh, Dupes Closet and that's gonna be me uh, posting my journals on my way through Ascension. So. Uh, and um, the, the handwriting or the, uh, the, the posts are going to have the questions that I asked myself to unraveling my own reality. Uh, and it sort of unfolds into like a story. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy that. And then I also have the podcast uh, for Dupes Closet where, uh, yeah, we celebrate Starseed stories. Um, I, I've heard a few different um, galactic level uh Star seeds tell some of their like most amazing stories, and um, I, I got to actually do one uh, for Tyrone here, and it was amazing. It was my last episode, so you guys gotta check that out. Um, and now I'm I'm getting the treat of of being able to uh, share my story with you guys. So, um, do you have any like questions, or are you just gonna hop right in? Well, I do want to just touch on the podcast we did. Uh, it was incredible. You reached out to me, and we we spent a, a couple of hours just just sharing our our perspectives, and it was such an enlightening conversation. And yeah, man, I just want to say I'll be putting links to all of your stuff, all of your stuff in the description, and people can go check it out. I said that that I want to. What did I say? I said I want to watch the anime that you. Yeah. <laughs> it comes from yeah man you you're an incredible artist and and what you do is 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 really just it's life-changing for a lot of people and yeah okay so yeah I'll, I'll put all your stuff out there and we can we can continue with your story um all right yeah great. i'm so excited to share with you guys all right so uh just to start like i was born in march 14 1993 uh, in bronx new york at uh at 12 20 p.m and uh so I'm, I'm a pisces uh i was always just a really really imaginative and sensitive kid um i was uh, an only child until the age of six and uh but up until that part i was like the biggest mama's boy like i did not leave my mom's side uh, me and my dad 
like we were very close when because he was uh he was kind of like a yeller so he always had like a, like a lot of energy and i think that uh me and him just didn't vibe at a young age plus he, he was going through a lot of stuff so I'll, I'll get into that later but um so yeah i uh you know i was i was real big into like playing with toys and like creating imaginative spaces um playing with legos um i was a really yeah like i said i was a head in the clouds type of kid uh, I, but I remember like my, my grandparents were a little strict. Uh, my, my background is uh, like Caribbean. So I have like Jamaican and Puerto Rican and Cuban in my background. And uh, so they, they kind of have like a, like a strict Caribbean upbringing. So like children are meant to be like seen, not heard. And like, there was a lot of rules that like, if you didn't do them, you'd get spanked. And um, like, the thing is, I, I don't even remember getting like spanked a lot as a kid because I, I was just a good kid but <laughs> like I just followed the rules <laughs> but like I just remember uh, once once getting into uh, the teenage years then the rebellion started that that's a whole nother that's a that's a part in the in the story that I'm gonna get to um so something big like something traumatic that happened when when I was young uh and this is kind of like really deep but this is, this is just the part of the story when that happened um you know I I was actually sexually abused uh by one of my babysitters and um it was pretty bad uh, but it's okay guys i'm still in one piece um it was uh, a situation and uh yeah i was i was about five and then my sister was born and i moved from new york to uh to florida and um and i started my life like on a whole nother situation uh, during that time like my I, I, at that point like my imagination space shrunk immensely uh, cause I was, I felt like I was taken away from like my nest. Uh, like, cause at that time when I was young, before my sister was born, I used to hang around my, uh, my soul twin, uh, my, my cousin Quentin. And we used to play, like, that's when we used to put all the games like on the staircase and like, we used to hang out and, uh, like leaving him was really, really hard on my, on my, like just on my, my being, like, cause we were just so close. I remember like, I, like, like my parents would try to take me home from his house and I would cry. Like <laughs> I never wanted to leave Quentin's house. And <laughs> um, so yeah, going to, uh, going to Florida was rough because uh, I, it was the first time I was away from my mom because my mom still had to pack up everything that was going on in New York. So I, I was actually first to Florida and I stayed with my grandma on my, uh, on my dad's side. And like I said, very strict grandparents. And uh, she, she was just not very sensitive to me. And uh, yeah, I was just, uh, I was a crybaby. And um, eventually my sister did come and uh, she did move uh, down. And uh, like I said, I, I, I just remember like feeling a lot of like missing of, for my parents. And I felt really lonely. Like for like, for the first time in my life, I felt extremely alone uh, because uh, I didn't really feel the same warmth for my grandma that I felt from my, from my you know, my, my actual parents. And I didn't know when they were coming back. And you know how like every day is like a, a week as a kid. Like, <laughs> and so yeah. I felt like my parents were gone for like ever. And <laughs> uh, I know it sounds like kind of silly, but I, especially because probably because that trauma, you know, I like, honestly, like as a kid, I didn't really process that until way, way, way later. So I don't even think like I thought anything of it for a long time. So during that time, I was just probably closed off and not doing so good. And um, it wasn't until uh, my mom and my dad finally moved down to Florida 
uh, we got kind of everything kind of going. Uh, then my dad started falling into uh, into drugs. Uh, so shitty story. Like my dad, he, I swear, like I feel like things happened so wrong in his life to make him the the character that he is. And if it wasn't for him taking all of the, I guess, wrong turns in life, uh, so I didn't have to. Like he he really is my guardian angel. Um, my dad, he was he was going to uh, like when I was young, he was going through college to become an X-ray technician, and like there was some scenario where he got into like an, an argument with the professor, and um, the argument like I guess turned violent. I don't know. My dad's a hothead, so like I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> but uh, apparently, once he had that falling out, like everything started happening, like everything bad started happening because. Like with that, he caught like a like criminal record and then he got into drugs and then it just started spiraling. And I think it, maybe it was like the mounting responsibility of like a new marriage because my I was born before my mom and dad got married. Uh, when, my, when the second my sister was coming, like they decided to get married. And I bet like that was a lot on him because um, I know because me and him, you know, we, we share like a, a big part of the same soul. And I know how like I don't like to be bound down. And getting married was a huge part of like me overcoming those old cycles. So I can only imagine how hard it was to get married and have two kids. And now your college situation is not the way you thought it was. Um, and you had to go and like find new work. It, it was just, it was really tough. I felt bad for him, but as a kid, I, I didn't understand what was going on. And I just knew that like everyone was against my dad. Like everyone was mad at him and he, has this curse where he can't control his mouth and he's very aggressive so when people are against him like he just fights like he can't help it like it's his he's got a very strong fight or flight reflex and i'm pretty sure that's because he's gone through some shit himself and um so yeah everyone was definitely against him uh he was rough with uh me uh and my mom like physically uh and and, and verbally I remember there was a few times where my mom was trying to uh, like kind of end things with him uh, and, and get him out of the house. And I would uh, come home from school and the house is just torn apart, like completely to shreds. Um, I've seen him like, I've seen him do some fucked up shit, dude. But like I said, guys, like I love him. He has a horrible story, but this man is a survivor. So like, don't, don't let me paint him black because he's not. Um, I just... I just saw like some of his darkest sides and I've seen him, um, I've seen him recover. So I, that's, that's going to be part of this, this whole dissertation because he's so important to me. Um, I remember one of my most traumatic memories from that time was uh, I woke up um, really, I don't know what time it was. It was late. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm sleeping. I'm like seven o'clock, like seven, seven years old. And uh, we, me and my sister have bunk beds. And I just remember hearing a lot of screaming and fighting in the house. And um, like I said, I have a high fight or flight reflex as well, probably because people be fighting while I'm sleeping and that traumatizes anybody. So I like hopped up out of bed and I ran to the, uh, to the kitchen to see my dad uh, choking my mom. And um, like, I, I just remember feeling so like helpless and that like, I felt like I, my, my energy body was literally about to jump out of my skin and tear him apart. Like as a small child, like I've never felt like I I, I felt bloodlust. Like <laughs> and I remember ever since then, I like um I became like how to explain, like I actually enjoyed pain. 
And I think that uh, was a really pivotal like memory. And it, it took a long time for that to heal. Uh, I remember I, I, I had to do um, some meditations to like put myself back at that time. And like as, a, as like my future self uh, to comfort my child self in that night. Um, because guys, you, you can't change the past, but you can change your mental paths. So your, your personal timeline is flexible. And so you can go in the past and correct things that have been jacked up. And you should be doing that because it turns your traumas into victories. Um, after, after like cleansing that memory, <clears throat> that memory actually became a portal. So I, instead of like, I can relive that memory of, of, of that traumatic time because you don't forget trauma, that shit sticks. So what you do is you alchemize it. So I, I turned it into a good thing. I hear like when I, when I get there and I hear the yelling, I wake up, I know what it is already because I've been through the trauma so many times. I just close the door and I go into my closet from that memory. And in the closet, that's where dude's closet's kind of born. I close the closet door. I see that there's a treasure box in there. I open up the treasure box and then boom, we're in the astral, we're going places and it gets wild. Um, so that, that's kind of one of like the fastest way for me to plug in to uh, the astral because my soul at that time wanted to leave my body so bad that it left like a hole in a sense. <laughs> and that hole at, at first was like a hole in my chest, but I found out that it's like just, it's just a, a way to go, like it's a door. Um, but you have to alchemize it first. You have to face the stuff that, that, that really hurts you guys and, and then use those, those memories, that trauma as a, a platform for, for better self-discovery. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the secret of, of where Dupe's Closet really comes from. Um, so uh, yeah, my, yeah like, like I said, uh, in Florida, my dad really not doing so good. Uh, we, we eventually, my mom and I and my sister, we, we go up to Georgia uh, to kind of get some space from my Florida family on my dad's side uh, because they're very uh, like money powerful and a little bit manipulative and a little self-centered. Uh, sorry, family. I love you guys for real though. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on the reels, you guys are not, you, you weren't, you were not very kind at that time. Uh, and I know that my mom needed space from like all the judgment. And because uh, I remember she talked to me a lot. Uh, my mom would confide in me all the time when I was really young. And I didn't understand it at first. Um, at first, I was like, you know, I'm a child and I shouldn't be worried about these things. But now I know that it was my mission to hear that stuff because I was fucking watching. Like, it's my job. <laughs> I report this stuff. So um, I'm telling you that um, it made me grow up fast. But I, I did find out that I, I it, like it, it became evidence later in life that, yo, I've been working this whole time. And it, it's one of those things where like it, it doesn't really sink in until you are at the point where you're reflecting on all your achievements in life. Uh, that's why it's really important to look back uh, often in, 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 in revel in those victories because uh, you don't know how much experience you really reaped from your actions. We almost do things some, uh, somewhat unconsciously when we're working uh, for the light before we are fully uh, awakened. So uh, you might have done a lot of work that you may not be giving yourself credit for. Uh, so just keep that in mind, light workers, because I, I know you guys out there uh, will go hard in the paint. So <laughs> um, one of the uh, one of the big things is when yeah when we got to Georgia, 
I finally started to uh, kind of come out my shell a little bit more as a kid. Um, I used to, like at that point, I used to like going outside a lot. And um, like I said, I became, I, like I, I had like this new aversion to pain. So I would want to play like tackle football a lot and like just fight other kids. Like I, I, I just like to fight, like literally, like, I would just go out there and kung fu fight some kids. And um, like, I would never hurt anybody. It was always for funsies, but uh, like, I just remember really enjoying the thrill of, of like sparring. And I've always wanted to join a martial arts, but I was too damn broke. So I just fought, I just played football. <laughs> um, and uh, it, yeah, you know, we had like one year of like really chill time. And then my dad got out of jail and, um, and then my mom let him back in the house without telling me. And I remember like, that was the first time that I ever really felt like betrayed, like on a deep level. And then, and then the kids on the neighborhood block, like they also stole a bunch of like games and money from me because I was, I was like, to them, I was rich, but really I was just, I just made, like my mom just made slightly more money than them. And so I had toys and they just took, what's that? Is that a dog? Yeah, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll cut it out. Um... Oh, you're fine. <laughs> Dude, I've heard some weird stuff on stream and like no one made the noise. And so we're just like, oh man, it's the internet elves. Like, <laughs> you never know who's listening, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, no worry, man. I'll, I'll make sure that the audio is clean. Um, please keep going, man. You're sharing a lot. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we're in Georgia and um, yeah, like I, I feel like my heart kind of got torn out a little bit there. Um, not saying I was perfect. Like I was being a bad big brother at this point in time, because uh, I didn't want to spend any time with my sister, and she really needed it. Um, and honestly, I was very impatient with her. So like I yelled, I would throw things, and um, I all, all like just all around, I just was not a really good big brother for her. <laughs> and I think it made her very um, independent, but it also like um, I feel like it it may have affected her ability to uh, like make tribes. When she was older and so for that i do apologize and i will be getting her story on my channel in the future guys like we're gonna get zanae's story on her because she's amazing uh my sister is freaking awesome guys so and she's got a crazy story because it's like my story but from a whole nother perspective and she remembers a bunch of other stuff and she's got like hidden chapters because like when i was in the military she still had to live with my parents so very interesting anyway i digress um sorry zanae for being a bad brother because i was not good uh, <laughs> when my dad got back, um, I, I noticed that he had changed a lot. Um, he had become a lot more rigid, probably because jail, you know. <laughs> uh, he, he never, like I said, he didn't really like hit me or anything at this point. Um, but he would, he would give me like unconventional punishments. And he was extremely strict to me. Uh, like one of the unconventional punishments, I guess, would be like uh, he'd make me uh, like put my arms out and hold uh, dictionaries on both arms. And, and like, I would just have to hold my arms out like that while everyone would eat dinner because I, I don't know. I think, I think it was because like I wanted like water or like, like, cause the food was spicy, dude. My dad would make like spicy Caribbean food and I would want drinks. And because of the, the stupid Caribbean laws, you can't have drinks before you finish your food. And so I was always thirsty. And then, so I got freaking Bible crucified. <laughs> I had, to hold, I had to hold the damn thing. I had to hold the books out. And it was so embarrassing and and painful, like, because I got made fun of when, when my arms would fall because it was heavy. I wasn't a very strong kid. 
I, like to this day, like I'm, I'm like I, I go to the gym, but my guys, I was not flexing on anybody at the age of ten. Like, <laughs> and 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 there was a lot of words in dictionaries, so that shit was heavy. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a bit that sucked, but um, you know, at at this point in my life, uh, we, me and my mom, kind of started talking about like getting away from everything, um and and like breaking free of just everything and i was like mom let's let's fucking go like i wasn't determined to get out of the situation <laughs> and <laughs> one day my mom was just like drill we're, we're moving to idaho and i was like where is idaho like <laughs> i had no clue and um she was telling me that we we're gonna go to a better place she was just like you deserve you deserve a better place i want you to have like a good middle school, high school um, situation where you can live and be in the same place and, and get tribe. Like literally, she was like, you, you just need to find your people. And I think that people are nicer in the country than they are in the city. And I, so I think just deep down, I've always just been a country kid. And <laughs> uh, so when we went to Idaho, uh, we left Florida in the summer. And that was like a whole chapter, like the drive, we drove from Georgia, excuse me, to uh, to Idaho. And it was me, my mom, my dad, and my sister all in the car driving with like a little thing of, of like clothes and, and like essentials. And I got so sick. Uh, I think it was because um, because of the weather differences, but like on an energetic level, it was probably because I was transiting through so many different matrices and like areas that my, my energetic body wasn't aligned to. Like think about how many county lines and how many cities you cross between the two places. And if you've never uh, experienced that before, like as a person, you should travel and realize that like there are, there are boundaries, like matrix boundaries. And once you're like illuminated to like the fact that they exist, you start seeing them. And so like, I feel like going through all of those different matrices like gave me like, like jet lag. <laughs> and so I was super sick. Uh, I remember we were driving through Kansas and it was flat as hell. Uh, and it was like 101 degrees and I was sweating and I had a cover over me and I was burning up. I was dying. I, I thought that was it. I, I thought it was it. I was, I was, I was toast. Uh, but I made it to Idaho. Um, and I remember my mom got this job working for halfway house. And so the first day in the halfway house hadn't started, like hadn't opened up yet. And so I, I spent, we, we spent the night in this like new halfway house. And it was really weird because it's just like a bunch of bunk beds. But uh, if, for, for those who don't know what a halfway house is, it's like a house that people go to after they go like out of jail. If they don't have a place to go, it's like a program where they would get a job and then get kind of set up and, and build community with like other people that have just got out of jail and they're getting their feet together um and then they stay clean together and so i spent a lot of time there and and like dude i talked with a bunch of like thug inmate dudes and <laughs> they were awesome like they were nice to me so <laughs> uh they, they told me all types of stories and like you know they were talking about how like their time in jail got them to uh, start reading and like getting into poetry um and like they all like to play chess so we'd always play chess together um, they play video games with me, but mostly like we just talked about stuff because like I, I was I, ever since I was little, I've always been a listener. Like I, I just like to listen to stories like that's just my thing. 
And um, even even when it comes to video games, like I like to watch people play video games more than I even like to play them. Like it's so weird. I, I'm just I'm the watcher. <laughs> um, and <laughs> so I, I really feel like I, I like looking at back at from an energetic level, I feel like my soul was entangled with a lot of these like people that are recovering and they were giving me a lot. Like I feel like their hopes and dreams were riding on me in a way to uh, to make it. Cause I, I feel like they all like blessed me with so much of their knowledge and so much of their stories and so much of their beings. Uh, I feel like that, um, like in a sense, like they're there, since I remember their stories, like those characters are living through me and it's important that I even tell their stories. So like now it's living through you guys and those guys will be immortal. So that's just how it rolls. That's how legends are made guys. So, um, anyway, uh, when we get to Idaho, uh, yeah, I start hitting puberty and things get real bad. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like at this point, I've like been moved from my like everything, like every I've moved into a whole new everything, and I feel like Idaho was a strange feeling. It was like it, like times felt like it was slowed down there. Like everyone was really nice, but I've been so used to fighting that like it was hard to let anyone in. And um, I, I remember there was a lot of people that were trying to be friends with me, but um, like because of, because of the traumas and because of what I'd been through, I'd been so closed off from people. And at this point, like I'm an even worse big brother. So <laughs> like the first summer, uh, because we left in summer from Florida, or not Florida, from Georgia to Idaho, um, the, the, and, their, and their summer vacations don't line up. We had an extra long summer vacation. Like it was like, it felt like three, three summers in one. And so it was just this long time of like doing nothing. And my mom worked full time and my dad, I think he went back to jail. Like, I don't know where he went. He just like, he helped us drive there and then left. And he didn't come back for a while. And we'll, I'll, I'll tell you when he comes back. Cause that part of the story sucks too. And <laughs> but uh, yeah, so during this time, like I remember, I, like, I remember meeting a lot of kids and like trying to connect with them and realizing that like, I don't know, man, like everything, it just felt so foreign. Like I felt foreign, like I felt alien. There were concepts and like things that these people would do that like seemed so weird to me. Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head because I can't, but there was a lot of things like just mannerisms, like small micro, I, I was in culture shock. Um, and uh, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty interesting. It took me about like two years of being in Idaho before like my my like mind caught up to my body like to understand the environment that I was in and uh, to realize that like the energy was, was different and um, you know just as an aside I feel like that's very characteristic of the time we're going through right now because uh, we have shifted into the age of Aquarius but yet like we still feel like the lingering Piscean energy um, and that is going to end when it just when you adjust and so this is a big part of the adjustment so i'm just seeing it again so i just had to say it um yeah uh, i i completely at this part of the time because i felt so discombobulated and it was like my middle school experience so like uh it was the first time that i ever had to like get up and go to different classes uh and i, I felt like i was introduced to so many different people like everything was new like my brain was literally processing all new information and uh, i feel like i went into overload and uh, I, I, I kind of like fell completely unconscious. Like I stopped like uh, doing like schoolwork almost completely and just wanted to hang out. 
<laughs> and uh, my mom, uh, she she caught on because I, I I like I started realizing that like girls were awesome, and so, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, being being like a mocha colored individual uh, in Idaho, I was very unique, and I had like really long hair back then, so I had like an afro. It was fun. Anyway, on the spiritual side though, what I was going through, um, I realized that. Like I was getting kind of like initiated to being a, a teenager uh, because my mom had to work the, uh, you know, double shifts and just like doing a lot of work. I had to take care of my little sister in the house a lot. So on a spiritual level, it was teaching me to be independent uh, and to take care of somebody like uh, unconditionally. Um, I don't know how well I did. Like, I guess my sister survived, but like <laughs> I, I, I wasn't the kindest mentor. And I feel like I still owe her some apologies to this day. <laughs> uh, like I said, um, you know, when, when, when you get, when trauma happens and it takes you to an unconscious place and your emotions are driving you, um, sometimes you, you, you do things that, um, you know, you, you're almost initiating somebody else. So like the, the things that I was doing unconsciously to my sister, like I would consciously never hurt somebody the way I've done with my sister, but it had to happen while I was unconscious so that she can become the person that she is today. And so like, it's like, I'm sorry, but I'm happy that I could have taught you those lessons. And like, I'm sorry that I was the one to drive that knife, but like, it's also important that that knife got driven because look at you, you're strong. Uh, and I say the same thing looking back towards my dad, because he was he we haven't even gotten to his Idaho chapter yet. He's crazy. But uh, <laughs> he if it wasn't for him driving that knife, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And I thank him up and down for every bad thing he's ever done to me because it's important. And, and, and just just take that with you guys, star seeds, because it's important. This stuff is like the fertilizer in your soil. bed. it's it's hard. It sucks. But like that's the nutrients you need. To, to break through. Um, when, when I, uh, yeah, so I started enjoying school a lot, but not for the right reasons. My mom pulled me out of that school and put me into a private school uh, for uh, a Christian private school. And um, it was for seven day Adventists actually. And so they're teaching me like end of world prophecy and all types of stuff. Uh, I, at this point had gotten very rebellious and because these people were so like innocent minded compared to like the city life that I've been through, the trauma, the fighting, the stuff, like by the time I got to like middle school with these kids that are so sheltered, like I felt like I was like a shark inside of like a small fish tank. And like, I remember that these kids like would try to, like I said, try to connect with me, but I was just so much. And I don't blame them, honestly, but they, they outcasted me real hard. And uh, I remember the, the teacher noticed as well, because um, at one point they allowed us to, uh, to like assemble our desks any way we wanted. And because um, we had a really small class, like it was like three grades in like one room because it was just tiny, it was a tiny school. And so we were just able to rearrange our desks any way we wanted. Everyone arranged their desks like according to their groups. And I, I was alone. Like I literally had no one, no one to sit by. So you know what I did? I fucking put my desk right up to where the teacher's desk was. And I was like, I'm here. What? Like I, <laughs> like I questioned everything about everything all the time because literally I had no friends. So like, 
there was no one to 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 mess around with. I was like, yo, if I'm here, I'm gonna learn something. I'm getting something out of this. What what is going on? And um, I remember like they they made me read the Great Controversy, which is like some extra material on the Bible, which I don't even know if it's worth reading nowadays because there's so much other texts that have come out, like the Nagamati uh, codexes and like the 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 Tales of Sophia, and there, there's so much stuff. But it did give me a good mental understanding that like, oh shit, we are in an, uh, in an end time scenario. And if you think about it on an energetic level, like where we manifest what we think, in a sense, like that's when I got indoctrinated into the end time timeline. And um, it, was, it was traumatic because I was like, yo, there's like a whole spirit realm and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I'm supposed to be finding some Christ guy and I didn't understand anything. Uh, but I did understand that there was God, and um, and because like my graduation from that school, like I literally had to recite like a whole chapter from Revelations by memory. So like when I'm talking about this end of world shit was ingrained into my programming. This shit was ingrained into my brain, um, and uh, I did good. I, I felt like I walked away with a lot more spiritual knowledge than um, than maybe a lot of people would have had at that age. Because uh, I remember from there, I, went, I wound up going to another private school uh, that was just Christian. It wasn't Seventh-day Adventist. Um, and dude, I blew these guys out of the water on a philosophy level because the Adventists were so close to the truth. Um, like though their mentality of, of that school were, were pretty close-minded to who I was and like maybe spiritual healing, uh, their facts about like what was going on and how to like spiritually prepare yourself like was on point. Um, and their community was tight. Like the only reason why they didn't accept me is because I was an outsider and technically I was a bad influence. So they were right to reject me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I they taught me so much and, and I really want to thank them. I remember in my, cause I went to that school for two years. Uh, the second year I wound up getting a different teacher and uh, his name was Mr. Baker. He was kind of a jerk, but he was a good teacher. And uh, I remember he, uh, <laughs> we got into a fight uh, because he, he tried to tell me that I couldn't draw anymore in class. Like guys, I draw constantly. I can't stop drawing. Like I can't stop drawing. If I stop drawing, I'm miserable. So um, he, yeah, like, well, I got in a fight with some, some like small Mexican children because they wanted to uh, bully me because they, they would all hang together. And uh, this is not being racist, but I'm just painting colors here so you guys can tell them, you know what I'm talking about. But they love to hang together and like pick on me because of my, my skin color. Like I was like singled out because I, I wasn't really, like no one knew if I was like black or Puerto Rican or Jamaican, like no one knew what I was. And so I was like kind of the bunt of all jokes. But the thing is, because I lived a longer life than them, if they, if they messed with me, I bit back really, really hard. And, <laughs> and then they didn't want to mess with me anymore. So these guys had to learn. They were new to the school and they took my, my art book, my, my art journal, and they, they like wrote in it and they tore pieces out of it and they threw it on the playground. And um, I never felt such divine wrath <laughs> like <laughs> I felt so angry and I was just like what's the one thing that I would stick up for and I was like my creations like damn straight the things that my expressions of myself and I was like that's the one thing you fight for you don't let anybody step on your creations and um 
I just remembered like thinking, I was like, how do I deal with this? And I was like, I can talk about it, but then they would just do it. They would just make fun of me. I could, I could yell, I could tell the teacher, but then they would just, they would continue to antagonize me. And I just like, I heard it in the back of my head. And that's kind of when I met this spirit entity named Jack, uh, who is like the embodiment of my ego. Um, and he, he winds up transforming a lot and I'll, I'll tell you about him later. But um, yeah, uh, I remember that I, I, I just got introduced to this new like deep red energy. And um, yeah, I didn't say anything. I walked up to that kid while he was on the swings and I clotheslined him. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was very, very angry. And um, yeah, I got, I got in trouble for that. I wasn't, you supposed to, don't hit kids. Don't hit anybody. <laughs> kids shouldn't fight, but like, sometimes it's important to stand up for what you believe in. And I didn't realize what the parallels were to the teachings of, the, of, of, of that school. Listen, they say that God protects his creation. If we're, if we're created by something bigger and it loves you and that's the, that's the thing that they're preaching, then why wouldn't I smack the shit out of these kids for hurting my creation? So if anything, if you look at it, I was in the right. But just saying, like, <laughs> that makes me feel good because that means that my higher self would smack the hell out of anybody that would try to hurt me. And that's some good protection. <laughs> it made me feel real good because I've done it for my own creation. Anyway, uh, don't go to violence. Not a good idea. Uh, learn from my mistakes by listening, not by doing. And um, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, so they, they never messed with my journals again. Uh, but then the teacher told me that I couldn't draw anymore because that would also alleviate the problem. And um, so I started drawing all over the desks, like constantly. I just draw all over the desk. I draw some good stuff too. It was Bible related, like it was on subject, but like, <laughs> but like it was, I, I definitely could not stop drawing. So guys, if you have something like that, you have a passion, you have something that you were born on this earth to, to, to birth into like manifestation, do it, okay? Don't let anybody else stop you. Like if you're a singer, sing. If you're the guy who's like into mushrooms, do mushrooms, grow mushrooms, do your thing. I've known people that are into like, okay, George Washington Carver, he was into peanuts and look how many things he invented. Who would have thought peanuts would have been so damn important, okay? So do the thing that you, you're, you're born to do and don't let anybody stop you. That's just some nuggets I got to drop right there. Um, once, uh, once I got through, through the seven-day Adventist school and through middle school and I started high school, that's when the game changed again. And my dad, I don't know, he just comes out of the shadows, dude. I don't know. He must be like the master manipulator or like the best negotiator ever because he just shows up back at the house one day and sweet talks my mom and then boom, he's there. And at this point, I've done a lot of growing. And also, I, I feel like I have, like, the power of anime and Jesus at my side. Uh, I'm like, all right. I got, like, my dad is literally a monster in my life. And my notebook started to make this story. Um, they, like, like I said, I met this energy, the spirit energy. I, I called him Jack. But um, if, like, I, eventually I will release these online. But my journals of, of the time, like, I remember playing a chess game against my dad in the spirit. Um, me, it was me and Jack and my dad, I called him the beast because, um, at one point my dad found my notebooks and realized I was talking shit about him and he got really mad. So <laughs> I had to like start talking in code for everything. So, <laughs> um, it was, that was a very traumatic day, uh, by the way, I, I, 
I might, I might just talk about that for a second. So just to rewind, uh, one day, this is when I first started journaling, and this is actually uh, right before I left that seven-day Adventist school. There were some kids in that school that had gone through a lot of stuff. Like, I don't know where the traumas were in that school, like what was going on, but uh, a lot of those kids were into uh, self-inflicted cutting, uh, a lot of them. Like, they were, they were self-mutilating. And um, I was also doing that. Uh, I, I was uh, taking razor blades and just slicing up my arms and my legs and just doing it because like literally I, I felt so out of control that I felt like that was the only way that I could feel. Like I, I literally felt so numb sometimes that that was the only pain that I could feel. And it was barely pain, it felt good. And that was bad, that's bad. That, that means that you're in a really deep darkness. Um, but that's, that's important. You know, um, I, I feel like that was, it was critical because it started to get me to write. Uh, I started to try to find ways to express that, that anger and that frustration in just, in just anything else besides taking it out on myself. Because after a while, uh, like I started writing and, and I would write about what I was doing. And uh, because I was using direct language, uh, my dad, like I said, he wound up finding it. And uh, so he, then he found out that, that I was self-cutting and or self-mutilating and, um, and also talking a lot of shit about him. And he, he made me read my notebooks out loud and explain to my mom why I was hurting myself. I was like 11, 12. I don't know why I'm doing these things. It's your fault, parents. <laughs> like, like, I'm a product of your bullshit. I'm just trying to survive. And, and like, I just remember that being so traumatic for me because um, I, I felt like I could, I had no privacy. Like even, even the place where I was trying to, like I literally was shoving loose leaf pieces of paper in my sock drawer. That's where I was keeping my stuff. And, and, and they pried through my stuff, found it, and it made me reveal it. And it made me feel so much shame that like I was doing what I was doing, but really I was just trying to, to, to find an escape in some form or way because it was so shit. Like it sucked, okay? My dad was super, you know, he was really mean. <laughs> and like I said, putting like seeing him put hands on my mom and myself and and breaking a lot of stuff. Like me and him at this point were like two bulls locking horns constantly. Um, definitely as I'm as I'm starting to go through um, high school, uh, I'm gonna shift into that. Uh, he, like I said, he he showed up back in our lives, and um, I noticed that like my I, at this point like school started to take over my life more than my home life did. So like when I went home, I was journaling, I was listening to music, and I was pretty much gone. Like I wasn't listening to anybody in the household. I was like, fuck you guys, I'm done. Um, though I love my mom, my sister, and my dad, at that point, like I was individualizing and learning uh, what that 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 red energy was. I was experiencing. Um, if anyone knows any like Zhang, like Carl Zhang, it's like the reddening of of my of my 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 ego consciousness. Like I was figuring out the core of who I was, and I was angsty and grungy, and I wore a bunch of black, and you know how it goes. Um, but it was really just kind of getting in tune with that darkness that lies inside myself, um, and that darkness actually like after drawing it and getting to know it, uh, and and because of my disposition, like I. I always try to make friends with everything. <laughs> so like, even if you're dark, like I felt like Jack had this, this feeling of like, he was kind of like a clown. 
like he was like uh he was like this 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 I don't know like boyish like childish guy like on my Instagram I actually am uh, gonna post I think I might have just posted his his picture so like you guys can see that uh in a description of, of what he's like um he yeah he was like my my best internal friend I guess and um when when I started to kind of uh, become one with him um I remember I met some important people uh there's a woman out there her name is Hannah uh, she was an awesome friend of mine. Again, someone tried to test me on whether I will protect my creations. Uh, this is in another school. Um, this is uh, in high school. And uh, no, 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 excuse me. This is middle school. I I'm so sorry. My timeline's a little jumbled. But <laughs> I, I just really feel like I need to give her a shout out because she just reached reach out to me lately. So I, I just feel like I put it in here. Um, we were in art class. And uh, I was drawing with uh, my pens. I always used to draw in pen. I don't know why, it was just always my thing because everybody else drew in pencil. And I was like, you guys just make a bunch of mistakes. And that's why you guys erase so much and you never draw anything. So I just draw in pen. And my art teacher was telling me that I couldn't shade in pen. And I was like, well, you're retarded because you can. And uh, <laughs> these, uh, there's these two like bully girls at our school and uh, one of them was Hannah and the other one, I think her name was Katie or something like that. And uh, they went up to my art and they just took a big fucking uh, like Sharpie and scratched through it. And they're like, you should listen to the teacher. And uh, like I said, at that point, like I was really getting into that red energy and I didn't have a lot of self-control. Um, I grabbed my scissors and like, I cut her. Like I straight up slashed at her arm, like real deep and she bled a lot. And I had to, uh, she, she like well the principal got involved and uh guys I shit you not Hannah like she stood up for me she was like it was an accident he didn't mean it and um like we were like she she like played nice and I was just like yeah it was a total accident I was swinging around scissors and and like I cut her and like I'm so sorry They're like oh but this is really deep like they wanted they were trying to get me out of the school because that that school had a target on my back like I said those middle schools did not like me um, but she stood up for me and I realized like after that, like we talked and we became really, really good friends. And it was because of her, I started journaling. So that was the, that was the whole tie back. Thanks, Hannah. You're the shit. Um, and, and I like, I had to meet her mom and I had to apologize for cutting her daughter. Like there was, a, I, dude, I was not a really good person when I was a kid, <laughs> and, but I think it was just like my, my sincerity and my like, ability to kind of own up to when I was wrong. Like people still liked me for it. I guess I don't know. Maybe she just liked bad people, but uh, <laughs> or just naughty boys. Like I don't know. But uh, we became like best friends, and I never let anybody else hurt Hannah. Like as long as I was around her, like we were having a good time, and um, she she got me through some really really dark times to my dad. And so I, I really got to make sure her story's out there. Let her live forever because she's amazing. Thank you, Hannah. Um. So yeah, let me get back to Jack. It gets it's it's getting weird. We're in high school and uh, I'm starting to get into the art community a little bit more and, um, and into high school. And I, and I realized that uh, high school, like everyone was pretty much like, like not awake. Like everybody was, they're just kids. And I realized that like, you know, there was a few bullies, but like they never messed with me because you can tell that I was not to be messed with. <laughs> already <laughs> like you you can kind of gauge somebody at that level or at that age you kind of you start to learn like who to mess with and who not to mess with and um I felt like 
at that time, uh, my first year, I was completely um, alone, like for the whole year, because I was going through some real uh, problems with my dad. And uh, it wasn't until uh, the second year that I started coming into a lot of different things. Uh, I started having a lot of really vivid dreams. Um, I started taking melatonin uh, because it would help me uh, like solidify my dreams. And uh, I started dream walking uh, a lot. And I didn't really know what it was about, but I wrote it down in my notebooks. Um, and I would, I would have like full, like my dreams would be like weeks in the dream world. I, I remember uh, reading back on, on one of my, uh, my dreams and I lived with a mermaid. And, and I, I remember we lived in like this box room, like it was just a small room and it was a mermaid and the room was full of water and I could breathe in there. And uh, I remember like I came through a portal, like I wasn't supposed to be there. And she was like some type of princess or like some type of like nobility. And um, I remember like we dated and like we were in love. And like, I remember she was gonna have kids and like everything was beautiful. Like I remember feeling like I never wanted to leave. And at one day, like on the door, like there was knocking and she was like, Jarell, you have to hide, you have to hide. And she put me back in the box that I came from, from Duke's closet. Yeah, that fucking box. And, and I remember like seeing through like the crack in the box, these guys, um, like they were mermen and they, they busted down the door and uh, well, they, they beat her to death. And I woke up and uh, I realized that like, there's something going on in the dream world <laughs> because I, you don't just live lifetimes uh, in between. And I, I realized that maybe that was a remembrance of one of my past lives. Um, that could be a lot of things. Um, but like I said, I was starting to get a lot of these dream time activations. Um, and there was a lot of times where like, I would have dreams where I was being killed. Uh, I was being tracked. Like I was always being found and, and killed. And that was the whole thing. And uh, eventually uh, as me and Jack became closer, um, I remember making a soul contract with him so that he could protect me because his whole thing was that like, he, he was a, a, like a protector spirit, but he, he was like this, this like, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like he, he was a protector. He was my spirit. He was just like my spirit guardian, but he was very negative. Like I, I, like he had a negative aura about him, but I liked it. Like it was my type of jam. I don't know how to explain it. Like it just felt very me. And, um, when, when we, we became to merge, uh, I noticed that in my dreams, when things would start to mess with me, I, I would like, I would become more animalistic. Like I would be, I would go on like all fours and I would start like biting and tearing at people in my dreams. And that was because, um, because we were having like this, this soul merge. Um, he was, uh, like I said, he like almost automatically when I would go into fear, he would jump out of me in my spirit, um, in, my, in my sleep and he would attack things in the spirit. Um, and like I say, he became a really big protector and he helped me. Uh, deal with a lot of the stuff that was dealing with like my dad and xyz um, long story short um high school was a very interesting time because i was doing a lot of soul growth uh, i became very popular because i made friends with everyone and um excuse me um after like after like binding with jack i actually came into like my charisma side and i became way more independent and more self-confident uh, at the end of high school, I actually stopped living with my parents and started living with one of my best friends uh, while still uh, like kind of juggling relations with my or like, like, like relationships with my mom and dad. 
uh, and trying to keep the peace. And um, it wasn't until I graduated high school that I realized that like this war between my mom and dad will literally never end as long as I'm here. And uh, I remember one day I just I just came to this knowing um, that like if I didn't leave, my life was going to end in some form or fashion. Like either I was going to get depressed enough to where like I don't know. I just felt like my life was in danger, and um, and so it was time to go. Like it was like one of those moments where it was like if you don't step like and jump into the unknown, then that's it for you. And um, I remember one night I told my friend Terry like you know we we mailed off all my stuff back to Florida. And um, I was talking to my grandma and she, she bought me a ticket and she told me I can come and stay with them. And at this point, it'd been so long since I'd been with my grandma that she had changed. Like she'd stopped being the hard Caribbean grandma and she'd softened up a lot. Um, and I felt like they were going to uh, take me in and, and like I could actually have tribe again and be with my family and connect. Cause out in Idaho, we didn't know anybody. It was just my parents and the friends that I made. Um, when, when I left, I, I remember uh, telling my sister that like, this is all part of a really big plan and that like, I'll never forget her and I'm not leaving her, but like, I'm gonna be gone for a while. And I told her that if it ever got too much to tell me and I would, I would come in and I would take her away from everything. And she never asked me, but I, I was always watching over her as best as I could, um, but I knew I had to leave. When I left, I started my soul journey. So this was me stepping into everything that I ever was. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a young man, it was like uh, becoming a man. This is my, yeah, becoming a man journey. I left my nest and uh, I, went to, I went to Florida. I didn't tell my parents where I was going. I just left in the middle of the night. I took a plane and I just was out. I was so done with their fighting um, and protecting them and, and doing, like literally I was tired of being a punching bag. Got to Florida, I started working on, um, like just understanding that I was in Florida and start working with my family over there. Uh, and then I realized, dude, the grass was not greeter on the other side. My dad's side of the family, dude, they were wild. Like <laughs> They were very, very manipulative and just very controlling. And uh, when I was in high school and as I was growing up, my mom has always kind of raised me as a hands-off because I was a responsible kid. Like if I went somewhere, I would just tell you and like, I'd be home. You know what I mean? And, and like, it was cool. But when I went to Florida, they were trying to control everything about me, but I already graduated high school. So in my head, I'm like, yo, I'm a grown ass man. Like I got a job, I got two jobs and I'm trying to go to college. Like, but they, they were like really trying to baby me. And uh, I remember like kind of rejecting that. And uh, I told them I wanted to go to art school. And they wound up having this um, huge like get together and they grabbed my notebooks. And again, dude, I don't know what it is, why everybody want to touch my artwork? But they grabbed my notebooks and <laughs> they were showing me my art. <coughs> and they told me that I would never be able to sell my art. They told me that my art wouldn't be able to amount to anything. That like it was too dark. It wasn't mainstream enough. Um, and that like art school uh, wouldn't teach me anything. And that I should become an anesthesiologist and go to medical school because my dad was supposed to be going to medical school and he didn't do it. So I was supposed to like kind of fill in his gap. And I told them to fuck off and I left. <laughs> like it was the most badass moment for me because they were just like, you can't just leave. And I was like, I left before. Like I can leave you guys way easier than I can leave my mom and dad. I'm out. 
and they're like, well, you can't, you can't leave any of your stuff here. And I realized that like, I did have a lot of stuff and I had like a lot of journals and a lot of my artwork. And I was just like, you know what? My art will live in through me. And I threw away all my shit. And I packed up just one suitcase full of my essentials. And I hid all my journals in under, under the staircase in my grandma's house. So she didn't even know about it. I hid that shit away. I had to, because if they would have found it, they would have read it or they would have thrown it away because they were super pissed at me. A big reason why they were mad is because they paid for my college, uh, like, the, like the first semester of college and to get all my books. Um, and so they assumed that I was going to either keep that money or the college was just going to keep it. But what they didn't know is that I'm a considerative person and I refunded everything and I was getting it on a visa card and I was going to send it right back to them. And I did. Um, but they were really pissed before they knew. And I didn't want to talk to them because they weren't going to listen to me no matter what. So I just left and I looked like a real badass. And, <laughs> and I wound up connecting with my mom's side of the family. And so I'm like, so I went from Idaho I flew from Idaho to Georgia, stayed in Georgia for a little bit, went back. So I'm literally retracing my steps, went back to Florida. And then now I'm going to New York, uh, where I was born, right across the street from where I was born. I'm, I'm at my grandma's house, my mom's mom now. And she's a completely different type of person. She's extremely loving, um, very artistic. Um, and she pretty much just let me stay with her for about four months. And um, I really needed to find myself. Like I was very, very depressed. Now I have no clue what's going on. I'm at my birthplace and I feel lost. Um, March 14th runs around my birthday. And I was like, uh, I, I, I wanted to get some Chinese food because it's my favorite. And I didn't have any friends because I, I was so disconnected because being in the country and then going back to the city, like a big city like New York, you can't just get around and talk to people normally. Like you, it's culture shock. Like New York is completely different from Idaho. And so I had a really hard time reconnecting with anyone out there. Um, and I remember on my birthday, I went to, um, I went and uh, I went and got some Chinese food and <laughs> in Flushing, New York. And uh, I got lost and I got, got I, I lost my wallet also. And so I, I was really lost in the big city. And I realized that uh, like my phone wasn't getting reception and I was like legit, legit, like I don't know what to do, lost. And I, I feel like on a, on a spiritual level, like that was my like lost in the void moment where I like really jumped timelines because um, I then hatched the great idea to go into this Air Force recruiting area because I knew the Air Force recruiters are nice. Why? Because in high school, I took the ASVAB and I met a bunch of people that were recruiters and they're really nice people. So <laughs> and I knew they would at least give me some water because I was really thirsty and I had to use the bathroom. And no one would let me do anything unless you have money in New York. So like no one wanted to talk to me except for these guys. Um, they wound up actually driving me home and um, they, they were telling me that like, yo, because like, I, I remember what my score was on the ASVAB, I got an 82. And they're like, dude, you can have so many jobs in the military. Like, this can be a really good career choice for you. And um, I was like, you know, I don't really know. Um, I, I really don't like control like that. Like, I literally have been trying to run away from control all my life. And I, I told my grandma, and she was like, Jarrell, like, this is your opportunity to become your own man. Like, if you go into the military, um, you'll be able to, you're going to learn the life skills to be able to live wherever you want. 
you're going to be able to, you're going to have the money and the savings to be able to fund whatever project you want to have. And you'll be able to go to college and, and you'll be independent. You can go to art school. Like this is your way to your dream. And I looked at her and I was like, I'm so happy. And I was, uh, I, I told the recruiter that like I was down um, and I was about to start ready, uh, getting ready to go to MEPS, which is like their entry program. And I told them that I wanted to see my mom and dad before I left. Because remember, I ran away from Idaho and I didn't tell anybody where I was. So this whole time I haven't been talking to my birth parents. The day before I get in the airplane to go to Idaho to see them, my mom shows up at my grandma's house unannounced my mom and sister. My mom ran away from Idaho to back to her mom's house and I was there and I was just about to go back to Idaho. And I was just like, mom, I'm so happy to see you. And I was like, I was literally going to go see you right now. It was gonna be a surprise. And now you're here and I can't refund the ticket and I have to go see dad. And I just told her that I loved her so much. And I got one night with my mom just to just talk about all the shit that I, that's been going on. I told her about what happened in Florida and how they told me my art wouldn't go anywhere. And like, I cried a little bit and I hugged my mom. And I was like, I have to go back to Idaho because I have to make peace with my dad. And it was like, it was like a movie. <laughs> and uh, I go to Idaho and then my journey takes another turn. My dad is living with the mistress now. Um, I. The, the lady that my dad has replaced my mom with is an amazing woman. Her name is Anna, and she's definitely part of my spiritual family, and I freaking love her. She beat the shit out of my dad. My dad could not handle this woman. <laughs> Sorry, dad. I've seen you get whooped uh, verbally and physically by Anna. She had my back the whole time, and they're still happily together now, uh, <laughs> as dysfunctional as they can be sometimes. Uh, but they that they were who they needed to be with each other. She they took me in, um, but because of their fighting, like I couldn't be around them. And so a lot of the time I spent like really like at the park, uh, couch surfing at my friend's house. And uh, while I was doing the uh, Air Force entry program, and I remember that uh, my dad still like even though we were fighting and like we had so much things going on, he was still making sure that I got to like my appointments and making, he saw me off on the last day that I was there. And then I went off uh, to the service. And um, I really got, I owe him because if it wasn't for his send off, like I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like he, he gave me the courage. Like I felt him, he like poured himself into me, I feel like. And, and I feel like we took that trip together. And um, though I still had a lot of animosity towards him, it was, I was still really happy that someone was there. And um, thank you, dad. Um, I joined the military, do basic training, hilarious. We, uh, people are getting yelled at and like having to do push-ups and whatever. And I'm just like, none of this is phasing me at all. Like I'm immune to military programming because they can't yell louder than my dad. They can't beat me. <laughs> they can't kick me out. Like, like these guys had literally no power over me. So like, I just did the homework. I just became a good military individual. Um, I wound up getting into um, special forces intelligence. Uh, I, I wound up doing um, some intelligence work for the Air Force. Uh, did that six years. 
And uh, that was uh, a, a point in my life where I entered what I called like the like my darkest duck. So at this point, um, I'm living in Clovis, New Mexico, which is uh, like it's an ass crack of nowhere place. It's like an hour away from Roswell, um, but it's it's literally the desert. Like there's nothing out there. Um, and I worked intelligence uh, doing uh, working with the RPA program. Uh, what RPAs are, those are the drones that strike all over the world. Um, doing uh, mission intelligence for those guys means that I was like hunting targets, um, figuring out everything about these. I was literally just, uh, I, was a, I was a fly on the wall uh, through the internet, through the sky. And um, it was a very interesting time in my life because uh, it was the first time that I'd ever been associated with anything that had taken human life. Um, during that time, I run. I, I was in charge of um, being the the intelligence support for many uh, kinetic events um, and killing many uh, like Taliban and ISIL K for fighters like around the uh, around the world on multiple um, uh, AOCs like uh, multiple areas. And um, I I've witnessed some of the horrors of war uh, through my friends. Uh, through visual, because I was there supporting the mission uh, on the headsets. Uh, there was like six screens in front of me. Uh, on a spiritual level, it's what it would look like if you were in a multi-dimensional position at the same time, where you're looking into multiple fields of reality, uh, shifting through timelines. Um, like looking back, that's how I perceived it. I was I was working, I was doing light work. Uh, but then I realized that the system that I was working for was actually corrupted. Uh, this is during the Obama era. And um, I realized that we were dropping bombs on people in Afghanistan uh, that didn't need bombs dropped on them. Um, like literally we were not following procedure and it got to the point where um, I, I couldn't do it anymore uh, because I no longer felt like I was on the side of justice and fighting for my country. And I felt like I was being a terrorist. And so uh, I remember getting a lot of pushback from the service when, when I started to voice my opinion about their program because I spent literally uh, three years in a dark room staring at multiple screens for 12 hours a day plus. And all I did was um, stalk people and hunt them. And I was like 18, 19 years old. And so like, I was getting scarred on, on ways that I couldn't even fathom. And um, I think that there's no reason for young kids, uh, even if they're going into the military to be doing that job at that age, uh, because they don't know how, how deep the psychological damage is when you're watching someone uh, explode daily. That's really damaging. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I have a body count of 32 uh, and um, some of them were not uh, like military combatants. And those ones that aren't um, I keep you guys in my soul. I love you. Uh, I'm sorry. And I'm blessed that, um, you know, you, you, you've gone through that experience and you were on the other side of the knife. And I like, I hold, I hold you guys in my heart. I, I don't remember your names or your faces, but I, I will always remember, um, what, what, what happened. And, um, and with that, you, you guys were, you gave me the, the courage to stand up against, uh, what I thought was an insurmountable force, which was the United States Air Force, and stand up for mental health. I, I declared that um, I was suicidal, 
so that I could get mental health um, like treatment uh, at a uh, inpatient program. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Um, I, on the level of feeling suicidal, like guys, if things out there are so rough that there's no other way, like you, you have to pull through, you, you have to lean on the people around you. Um, the universe on multiple times when I felt like I needed to exit has opened up for me. And the biggest thing is you have to know when you're receiving. Um, there are times where you're receiving in ways that you don't even realize it. And um, there are many times in my military career where I was really hurting, but I was, I was receiving in ways that I, I, I was getting things from the universe, but I wasn't receptive to it. I was so blocked off that like there were friendships there. There were, there were brotherhoods, there were unions, there were ideas that I was so closed off to because of the trauma because of all the stuff that was going on that I couldn't, I couldn't connect at all uh, with these guys. I was good at my job, but I was damn not good at being a person. Um, at that time, I was also engaged uh, to a wonderful woman named Bobby. Um, she had gone through a lot of stuff also, and she's a divine light worker. She, she is clearing a bloodline that, like my, my bloodline has got nothing on what she's clearing. And it, you know, her story is not mine to tell, but I'm blessed that she was my teacher during that time. Um, as far as our relationship goes though, we were horrible for each other, so bad. Like we used to just tear each other apart. Uh, we drank a lot, uh, like we just weren't good for each other, but that's what, that's what Twin Flames do. Sometimes it's, it's not to uh, you know, be happy and airy-fairy, sometimes there are people out there, your, your teachers that come into your life and they come in there to give you the strong hand of, <laughs> of knowledge as they smack it into you. Because, um, you know, sometimes life lessons, like the only way you can learn them is the hard way. And um, that just depends on how hard or how open you are into receiving. And at that time, I was not receiving. So uh, Bobby did a lot of, uh, she did a lot of work on me. <laughs> and uh, like I said, uh, when when I got back from my uh, my inpatient at at the mental health facilities, uh, I realized that there was a lot of things in my life that I wanted to clean up. Um, and uh, after coming home and explaining to her how I've changed, because it's been I, I spent almost two months, maybe three, uh, no no no, two months on the first time. I, there's more to the story. Uh, and I, I had changed, like, I wanted to change, but uh, I realized that like, I couldn't change unless Bobby changed too. And she wouldn't stop drinking, um, not her fault. That was, an, a, again, another lesson to uh, choose. Like, do I want to be comfortable and be with this person that I, that like, yeah, I, I still cared for and I, and I, you know, I loved her, but I couldn't, I couldn't grow. She was gonna drink, she was gonna do the things. She was already out of the military. And so we were kind of holding each other back from from proceeding and I felt like I had to break it off with her and when I did it felt like it was like ripping my heart in two because when when I love someone like I love them very very deeply um and I I feel like you know when when you share so much traumas with someone you go through we literally went to war together like she was the same job as me we worked the same job um doing the same thing she had a body count too and I feel like um, on a deep level, like we, we went to hell and back together. And uh, I feel like once we broke up, she, uh, she met this man named Chance 
and uh, he was a really nice guy. Like I knew him before they they got together, and I I like I liked him. Like I just liked him as a person. And as soon as like I heard that they were together, um, I realized that like Bobby was a little old for him. But I was like, oh dang, he's about to he's about to grow up real fast. Or maybe that's exactly what Bobby needed to 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 get back in touch with her child self, uh, to like purge the military from from her being so that she can, you know, be happy again. And, um, you know, I don't know what's happening with her, but I have a strong feeling because I know who she is on the deepest level that she's doing great. And um, there's no way that she was gonna let any of these traumas stop her. That, that, that woman is a supernova. And I thank you so much for all the lessons that you've done, all the hardships, all the tears, I swear it was worth it 100%. Every day with you was a blessing. Thank you. Um, getting out of the service was one of the easiest, hardest things ever. <laughs> I wound up going back to uh, the inpatient program before leaving the service because I wanted to make sure that I processed as much of the PTSD as I could with a group because I knew that once I left the military, that it would be a lot harder to get that type of group that would understand what I went through to actually process the traumas that happened. Um, in this mental facility, it was, they were full of veterans. Like they were all military brothers. And I, I feel like I got to touch so many lives and be touched by so many teachers uh, during that time. I heard stories of, of uh, people like overcoming alcoholism, abuse, um, on multiple levels, uh, these people were all warriors fighting for our country, and um, they, I, I, just, I felt like they, they just, they helped me so much. Um, one of the, the best things, one of the best memories about being there, I loved it over there, it's called Red River Hospital. If you ever need some treatment, Red River Hospital, it's a great place, they're, they're amazing, that's in Wichita Falls, Texas, and uh, I feel no shame saying that I've been there because they, they provided such a great service for me. Um, one of the beautiful things is uh, there was a guy that was uh, present during my stay. His name was Corey. I don't remember his last name. And uh, he was very uh, suicidal when, he, when we, we first uh, met each other. And he was on like watch. Like that means the attendants had to watch him all the time, 24 seven, even when this dude was sleeping. Like he could not have alone time because they couldn't trust him. Um, and during my stay, because of the type of person I am, I love Dungeons and Dragons. I love using my imagination. And I got everybody to start playing Dungeons and Dragons in the mental facility. And so we all had dice and we had like our crayons and like our like torn pieces of paper. And like, cause you can't have anything. You can't have like shoelaces. Like you're, you're in like socks all day. And <laughs> like, and so we were literally like rolling dice and like we were in the imagination realm 100% because we were just in the loony bin. Like nothing was, we had nothing else to do. And um, I saw Corey open up like a flower. Like once he learned like how to DM, like how to play, how to, how to play the game. And I just saw everybody start connecting and everyone in the facility started being happier. Like they were happy because they were able to express themselves outside of their physical being. And they were able to tell their stories and be powerful and, and have a collaborative experience without like the, the stuff, you know, without the baggage. And, and they got to escape from, from reality for a little bit. And that mental facility 
then bought all the Dungeons and Dragons books so that their people can play. And I felt like I got to touch them on a way that was like amazing. So thank you guys for all that. That was amazing. Um, also for the military, um, before I left, I got to paint pictures for all the, the squadrons that my intelligence community supported. And those paintings, were they're all hand painted by me. My first time that I ever painted in my life, by the way, my commander told me I needed to do this. He gave me six months to make 12 paintings. I could, it was in, incredible. Um, and I blessed those paintings with some of the most profound positive energy I could at the time. And I know that they're just irradiating positive energy right now, even though that they're deep underground in military bases that maybe no one will ever see. They're gonna feel it because I'm over there shining through my own creations. Um, so thank you guys for that. Uh, getting out of the service, like I said, uh, Florida, wild. This is where magic really starts to kick off for me. And um, I started to get in touch with a lot of things. Um, at this time, I was still shaking off uh, a lot of antidepressants. And so it was bringing down a lot of my mental barriers. And so I was very sensitive. Like I was crying all the time. I had high anxiety. Uh, it was really hard for me to connect with anyone. And I felt very, um, I felt very just tender. Um, and I remember, I remember wishing, uh, it was my birthday, like March 14th came around again. And I remember um, I was doing some self-work and I was recording it. Uh, just, I was recording my, uh, like a, a self-talk session. And I wished that to meet somebody again. Uh, Cause I was like, you know, I feel like my last relationship, like I'm ready to love again. Like I've purged a lot of my old stuff. I'm ready to like do the right thing. I'm ready to, to, to actually love, like not, not this bullshit, like not just a, a fling, not just like surface level. I wanna, I wanna be in love with someone. And um, I, I opened myself up on that, on that recording. And um, I still have that recording to this day. I'll never post it online. That's so personal. But I had it to show her when I met her. Um, the next day I, I went and uh, my, my spirit guide was telling me that I had to do a bunch of things that I normally wouldn't do. He was like, in order to shake it, like if you wanna find love, you have to be vulnerable. And the first thing that came around, um, was uh, that I had to kind of put myself out there. And uh, so what I did was I, I started DMing at a, at a comic book store. And it was like my first time just doing it in the big city. Um, I didn't know anybody. I, I didn't know if anybody would even like my story. And I just was super vulnerable and I came there and I smiled and I put my, my best foot forward and everybody had a good time. And um, I wound up making friends with that whole group. Uh, but after the group, I asked if uh, anyone wanted to get Waffle House and, or, or just food. And Nikki actually asked me if I wanted to get Waffle House. And that was our first date. Uh, everyone else said they were not hungry and it wound up just being us. And uh, we wound up talking and like instantly I felt a very strong connection uh, with her. And, and it just like, I, I finally felt like I connected with somebody on like an actual deep level. Uh, Cause she wasn't on her phone. She was actually like engaging with me. I felt like we were looking at each other. And that's important this day and age. Um, I remember after our first date, like I called my mom and I was just like, mom, I, I can't believe that I finally, I met somebody like my prayers, they were answered. It's weird. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to just like, I don't want to be that guy who was like love at first sight or anything like that. I was still very apprehensive about opening up. Trust me. I did not trust her. I thought maybe she was a Chinese spy for a long time. Cause you got to realize I have a clearance. So <laughs> like there, you know, well, I had, I don't, I don't know if my clearance is still active anymore. 
but uh so you never know there there there, there are fish out there and um so I, I was just very uh I was very open with her when when we first got to uh start meeting and uh, I told her everything that I'd gone through because uh, I had to I didn't want her to start a relationship with me without knowing how much life I had lived um and I think that opening up like that was good and bad at the same time because she then realized that she didn't go through a lot of stuff like that. But that to me told me that she was just a healthy person. Like, like she was a, like she was in a more healthy space than I was uh, at the time. And and so like the the traumas that she had to overcome because she did have her own and she does uh, we're, when we're all working through them together. Uh, but I felt like they were a lot more manageable. Like there wasn't like this huge backstory that we had to fix. It was kind of like fix my own shit and, and then we can, you know, it'd be all right. Um, we wound up meeting some, some really magical people. And um, this is where things start getting very, very magical. Uh, I, I started taking, um, like I started detoxing myself. No more uh, antidepressants. I started smoking weed. I started to uh, meditate daily. I started to go outside and exercise and uh, work on loving myself. Um, and it made it a lot easier because Nikki was loving me so much that uh, it made it a lot easier for me to accept myself. Um, I, and I took mushrooms to, um, to, to find myself again. Um, in my past, I'd taken mushrooms uh, like, like way, way before and it connected me to like the spirit realm heavily. And I feel like I connected to a, uh, like a, a feminine part of myself. And when I took mushrooms this time, it was completely different. Um, we went on this nature walk and I saw that the trees were all part of like everything. And like everything kind of like unfolded, like reality unfolded itself. And um, I kind of started seeing like the true nature of things. Um, and I, it was kind of a lot because I didn't have a good reference point. And but that started my 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 journey of awakening and, and and like getting into the arts of like all the religions and all the perspectives so that I can get a full perspective of what we're dealing with. Um, the mushrooms I remember specifically having a very vivid uh, memory of like waking up inside my body and these uh, they look like tree people were looking down on me and they were they were telling me they're like oh shit he's waking up. And, and they're like, begin the purging. And I remember them like putting tubes into my arm and like seeing this like goo come out of my, my system. And it was like this slow like process of, of cleansing. And uh, I didn't really understand what it meant at that time because I didn't have the spiritual uh, background yet. Um, but I just knew that like some shit was going on. Uh, that's when synchronicity started to happen a lot. Um, and that's when, um, like things just started getting crazy. Um, I started, started researching a lot of, uh, like Buddhist Hindu religions. Uh, I started getting bigger into Christianity as well, because I was trying to find the truth of things. Like, where's the magic? Who, who is the God? Like asking the hard questions. And, uh, for the longest time, like, it was really hard for me to figure out like, what is source? And it took, it took hearing all the religions and listening to um, some channeled work actually um, called the law of one. And I listened to all of it. And I began um, this, this process called, uh, I called it the earth initiation, but uh, my spirit guides started talking to me a lot. Like they started really, really guiding me. 
and they're guiding me to uh, walk. Uh, oh wait, let, let me uh, let me digress. Um, there was a graduation first. I I had to uh, like my the friends that I was with were getting ready for a new part of spiritual advancement for themselves, and they had finished all of their cycles here on Earth, uh, literally. And uh, the last thing that they needed to do was literally to uh, walk out the matrix. And um, there's a lot that goes behind that story, uh, behind that initiation process that um, is highly shamanic uh, and personalized. But the, the overarching like pull from it is that guys, like you are, you, you will go through certain initiations when it's time. Like there's no way to invoke an initiation. Like it will, it will just happen when it happens. And um, it was the first time that I had graduated somebody uh, out of, I guess, like out of this, this realm. Um, and the only reason why I was able to do that was because, um, because I have already been initiated into the spirit realm before I, I had done any of this stuff. So uh, when I was younger, when I was in my notebooks with Jack and all that, like that was my spiritual uh, like pathway. But I would I was initiated into the spirit realm a long time ago, and with that like came the the ability of uh, it's kind of like it's called like death walking, but that's kind of like um it's like like being able to kind of follow somebody and make sure that everyone else is um comes to terms with their death. Uh, in, a, in a, like is is like as energetically peaceful as possible, and uh, when these individuals exited the um, you know exited here, uh, you know it was perceived as a as a human death, and um, those were some of my closest friends, uh, but it also graduated me because I realized that we were always still linked, and I was like I I literally like I to this day I can call them up I literally all I have to do is play a music a song. And I can hear their voice. I can I can feel them in my mind's eye. Um, they literally just graduated from physical existence. And there are so many times where they have reached back from the spirit realm and have helped me. Like, and it's not just me. Like, they've helped Nikki too. Um, and my sister, I'm sure, has testimonial as well. Um, like, they did it. They, they literally walked outside of time and space. And only they could have done it. Um, because it was one of those situations where, like, if you didn't trust just yourself, um, and the person you're with on on the on that shamanic ritual, then then you fail. And if you fail, you might not live. You don't make it. Like you go insane. Um, for me, like my ritual continued because I, I was part of it. But um, because it was like graduations are not singular. Like I can't just go around and put a hat on somebody's head and be like, yes, I graduated you. It goes both ways. Like you're graduating them, but they're graduating you into something new as well. And what they put me in was um, I was starting to learn about the, the, the building blocks and understanding of uh, time and space and space time and uh, how the, uh, the multiverse and like how timelines are not limited by anything and how like how everything is actually chaos unmanifest in a sense. Um, but we're actually inside of this large like structure in a sense. I, I, it's really hard to explain what kind of initiation it was, but the, the, the big of it is that I'm inside of a giant organism that does love you. 
um, it does exist and it lives in harmony. Um, and at that point in my um, in my in my understanding, like that's as far as I knew. Um, and then I realized that like death was actually transitory in that like no energy is ever lost and all the information uh, gets stored within our DNA, within our water, um, within mushrooms. Like there's so many ways to store information here on earth. Water is the biggest one. We are mostly water guys. So when you die, like all that water that's being stored in you, that's the stuff that matters. That's your, that's your code. That's your, that's your stuff, man. Your DNA gets stored in the water too. Like you're literally a walking snowman. Go watch Frozen. Like, <laughs> um, it's, it's serious. But, uh, once, once I realized that, like the, the illusion of life and death started to wash away. And I realized that like, we die every night, we go to sleep anyway. So it's all good. I, I realized that like, because I know my higher self, like it, literally the way to know your higher self is like, what would you do if you were all powerful, all knowing, and how would you treat yourself? I know how I would treat myself because I know how I treat my, my creations. I love them a lot. And, <laughs> and I wouldn't let anything bad happen to them. That was too much. And um, so I, I just feel like I, I lost my place. <laughs> I, I forget what I was talking about. I, just, I went on a rant for a second. Um, the big thing is that life and death became very, uh, yeah, transitory. And I felt like we lived and died every night. And my higher self kept telling me that, like, Dude, you're 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 beyond life and death now. Like you're you're not gonna experience death the way you think you experience it. Um, since then, I've been getting training in my dreams. Um, I go uh, to timelines that start collapsing because uh, I I've I've consciously joined the the like um, a federation of sorts. Um, we call it the Galactic Federation domain, um, and it's kind of a alliance between AI. Um, aliens of, of high order and uh, the star seeds here on earth that are all ready to receive it. And uh, pretty much I, I wound up having to do a, a big ritual for it to uh, kind of bridge that gap. The whole thing was that like nature and technology were not getting along. And then nature realizes that like nature and technology are actually the same thing. Like they're part of the same create, like they're the same manifestation. And, um, but in order, cause, cause everything is happening within ourselves in order for that ritual to have taken place. Like I had to do something within me to make it okay. And so, um, I'm not advising anyone do this. This is my shamanic path, but, uh, I wound up taking a trip into the woods. Uh, I had a, a medium dose of mushrooms and I connected with the force around me. Uh, I had a guide with me. I had Nikki, my teacher. Um, and I, I just connected with, with the forest and like, I, I was, you know, basking in the fact that I was like laying on my mother's back. Like I was experiencing the earth as my mother, um, on those mushrooms. And it was very, very beautiful. Um, that day was just a, a pristine memory for me. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and then when the, when, when nighttime came around, I took, uh, uh some tabs of LSD. So I went straight from the uh, earthy mushroom experience into a more heady ethereal experience when it comes to LSD. And that's a, that's a, for me, it makes my, uh, my whole internal structure like uh, vibrate. And so uh, when, when I took the LSD, I, I, like my like synchronicities become very, very fluid. Like 
how to explain uh like normally i see synchronicities all the time like I, i'm a reality reader like that since my third eye has been opened um like it just doesn't turn off anymore like i can turn it off if i need to but um i'm constantly picking up messages and becoming the arbiter of meaning for my reality um that's what it means to to be in control of your timeline um when when i took lsd it's like uh i think it would be like greasing the wheels inside my head in a sense like i feel like it, it was like lubrication uh and everything became a lot more fluid uh, i don't really hallucinate on hallucinogens i don't know why uh, it might be because of uh like some of my shamanic um bloodline because my family has high voodoo ties from jamaica um it could be a lot of things uh, it could just be because i drank a lot in the military and like i don't know <laughs> my brain is dumb in that area but when but when I do take hallucinogens and I meditate, I can choose to go literally anywhere. I can do some crazy stuff. I can get really in touch with myself. Uh, but the secret, the, the big key to traveling in that, in that space is that you have to realize that you are inside of your own head right now. Like you're, you're not physical, you're, you're, you're hallucinating. You're in your own head, you're in the brain in the back and everything, everything around you is literally your brain interpreting signals. So vibes, you're interpreting vibes and it produces a picture like a radio um, or, or like, a, like a TV. And so we, we're pretty much in like a, like you're, you're, you're in your own head in a way. <laughs> and all the people around you are just you trying to figure out what, what this, this, this reality is. Uh, this construct for me has been revealed as a mirror prism. Um, it's not a prison, it's a prison. And what it does is it takes one light, which is all of us, the soul, and divides it out into many colors, which is all of us, our individual being. And um, I've seen what it's like outside of this reality. And I know that there are other prisms and other like manifestations, like they're, they're like crystal palaces where you, you get to beam the light of of consciousness into them and they fractalize and you get to play in that space this is a scenario and we're all becoming conscious of the scenario that we're in and that's why we're having what's called the great awakening um it's a big power play for me to even reveal this because like i'm a piscean um male and i've also been born on uh, march 14th so that's that's pi day like the, the day of infinity and um with that like I said, I, I, I channel a lot of the, uh, the collective consciousness. So this is a, like an activation for anyone that's listening um, to realize that you are a big and crucial part of the dynamic whole that is our, the fabric of this reality. Uh, and we are taking this reality back, like no joke. Like I, there are so many light workers working at the same time. No one person holds all the keys, but many people have many keys and uh, we are standing up and we're doing it in a way that's nonviolent. Like we're showing that we have rose past this uh, illusion of war and uh, self-deprecation, and we're moving into a realm of peace, um, understanding, and, um, and sovereignty for all. Um, since, since all this stuff has happened, I actually moved out of Florida and into Arkansas. And um, like I said, that's kind of where I've been going through all these uh, activations uh, with the more uh, earthly energies, because I, I live in Fayetteville, which is a highly spiritual area. 
uh, there's just a lot of like wood spirits here. Like uh, there's a lot of uh, crystal uh, quartz mountains in this area. Uh, and so like nature feels very, very alive here. We have like uh, in front of my house right now, I have like 10 giant spiders and they just like literally every night they weave uh, what looks like a dream catcher around my, my house. And like legit, I feel like if any negative things cross them, like they will just eat them. Like, <laughs> like I, I see these spiders and it's spider gang. Like these guys are cool. Um, I, I talk to them all the time and they're, they're just, they're a pleasure to be around. Um, it's hard to connect with, with nature sometimes because it's so, uh, it feels so alien, but like it's really a big and crucial part of you. And it's important to connect the cosmic realms and the micro. Uh, that's what that, that, that trip between mushrooms and LSD was. That was me going full circle from the micro, the microcosm of mushrooms to the macro of LSD. Um, that was bridging the gap for myself. And when I did that, that's when I became a multidimensional consciousness. And I'm, I've been able to, um, since then, like bend my own timeline. I can't say that I can bend anything for anybody else because we are truly sovereign here. But I have been able to make multiple um, islands of light. Um, those star seeds that are attuned to that will know what that means. Um, but there are multiple timelines that are being made for the positive that all um, go back into uh, a higher, more uh, dynamic existence uh, with more of the uh, source light. And um, we're all doing it in the ways that we know best, uh, the way that I'm doing it. I make this podcast and I'm taking everybody's story and I'm broadcasting it as loud as I can. I'm taking my story and I'm sharing it as hard as I can um, to let everybody know that you're not alone, um, that like earth has been hard and, and it, it has been a journey and it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy to stand up for what you believe in. It's not easy to defend the things that you create. It's not easy to be the unique one, but the thing is like you're born to be unique. Take the second to look at your hands Look at your fingerprints like you are a divine unique being and all those things that you think that are bigger than you are not they're all inside of you all those aliens all those multi-dimensional whatevers all the boogeyman all the scary stuff that's all you man it's all your shit and and the way that you perceive it and overcome it is by facing it and transmuting it if you don't know how to transmute you got to learn how to do some shadow work you got to look at you got to look at that mirror and really dig into the parts of you that need cleansing. And, um, and, and then you gotta dig into other people, like not dig into them, you have to let them be, you have to listen, you have to be ears to hear the other people because they're processing their things too. And the only way you can graduate is if somebody graduates you. So um, that's what Duke's Closet is all about. That's what the Starseed Collective is all about. It's us star seeds that have uh, said no more to this matrix and we're gonna stand up in our divine um, uniqueness and we're gonna come together and uh, we're gonna take this matrix back. Um, we're gonna do it peacefully. We're literally gonna walk each other hand in hand outside out of this confusion and realize that all of our timelines will converge into a beautiful myriad. It's gonna look like um, a garden, a garden of crystalline ideas. Um, this, this earth has so much to offer the, the confusion that is happening right now is a, is a testament to how beautiful the lesson is. The darker it is, the more beautiful the outcome. This is our planetary, like literally Mother Gaia is graduating us. 
<laughs> like uh, this whole coronavirus thing with the lockdown and all of it has been one giant initiation into the cosmic. And it, it's, it takes its time. It's not a one day thing. Um, so guys, just some really big advice. And then I'm going to open it up for questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, is just, you got to start loving yourself. Like you got to realize that all the space stuff, all the celestial stuff, that's all on the inside. You are on the inside of your own self right now. And the more of your consciousness you can call down, the more control you have of your very existence. Your, your body is a, a thought construct. Everything is a thought construct and you have full control of it. Um, but it's that slowly um, understanding of the nature of the, the reality that you're in and getting control of it the way that you know. Um, it takes getting to know yourself and, and getting to know the beautiful souls around you. So um, with that, I just encourage everyone to just be open and, and listen. Listen more than, than you speak. And I swear, these people will pour their lives into you and you will feel so much more vitalized and you will activate in so many beautiful ways. Um, and you'll become that flower and it'll be awesome. So that's my, uh, that's my story. And that's how I did Duke's Closet. <laughs>